You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in today, everybody. We have another fabulous guest on the show today, Cassandra Reinhart, better known as Yoga with Cassandra. She's sharing her journey to becoming a yoga teacher sensation on YouTube with a cool 2.1 million subscribers. Like, what? Oh my gosh. Sometimes when I think about the reach of the internet, it just, it blows my mind because I grew up in a small town. I literally think about like how many of my small towns could fit into a million subscribers or followers or listeners to the show. And like for context, the town I grew up on was a population of 4,000. <laughs> so am I the only one who does this? It's just, it's really amazing to see how many people we can reach with platforms like this. Before we get to this conversation with Cassandra, I wanted to share a little astro moment because, you know, cosmic self-care, astrology, all the things are my favorite. Last week, and especially today, I've just been feeling a little unmotivated, unfocused, kind of all over the place, which of course we can chalk up to the Mars retrograde. Mars is currently in retrograde until early 2023. And that really does affect our motivation, our momentum. It's giving us a little bit of slowness. And so I was like, yep, of course. But in addition, I've just been noticing like my emotions, there's so many different emotions that I'm experiencing all at once. So it's like, man, I bet the moon's in Gemini right now. And of course it was. And so I say this because it can be really helpful to look up you know, where the moon is on a day-to-day basis to understand your emotional landscape, especially if you're somebody who's been doing this for a little while, understands your emotions, your your self-study patterns, you know what all the signs mean, but the moon, it changes signs every few days. So this does change pretty quickly and then you'll give yourself back on track. Um, but yeah, tap into those, those moon signs, see where your emotions are at. Okay, quick note, Towards the end of this episode, Cassandra and I talk about the books that we're currently reading, and I was thinking it might be really fun to start adding a new segment at the beginning of episodes and even when I'm having conversations with guests about what everyone is reading. What do you think? Is this a good idea? Are you guys big readers? I love a book suggestion and frankly, it's just like any book conversation. So let me know what you think. Shoot me a DM on Instagram if you are on board with some book conversations. At the moment, I'm finally reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I know that's like a staple in the hot girl book list, (laughs) but I just, 
I don't know. I, I started Malibu Rising, which is another book by her earlier on. And I was like, meh, it moved kind of slow. So I wasn't as interested in her as an author, but then I was like, I need to, like, I've heard so many good things about Evelyn Hugo, picked it up, obsessed, obsessed. It has so much. It's like old glamour, but it keeps you involved with the characters. Like, oof, yummy. It was, it's a lovely read and it's pretty fast. The The characters are really complex, but like it still goes really fast. So highly recommend. Again, what are we thinking? Book combos? Okay. Today's conversation. I just, I love chatting with teachers and healers and influencers who've really made it to hear, you know, what it has looked like for them to get there. I mean, really like the in, in glamorous parts. So Cassandra Reinhardt, AKA yoga with Cassandra, really started out, you know, right early on in her yoga teaching career. And she was committed to, to putting an online class up on YouTube, stuck with it. And now again, has 2.1 million subscribers. She's an Ottawa based yin and vinyasa yoga teacher. She's a YouTuber and an author. She specializes in bite-sized approaches, really like 10 minute morning classes, as well as some classes, athletes, morning yoga, yin yoga for your nervous system, mental health, burnout, emotional healing, so many different areas that she covers. And her latest book, Year of Yoga, Rituals for Every Day and Every Season, is out now and it includes holistic practices for really any student, um, yoga, different practices, things that you can try on. I love this book because it has yoga practices for literally every day, but also for like the new and the full moon, for the seasons, things like that. So if you want to grab Cassandra's book, there's a link in the show notes and you can check her out online, Yoga with Cassandra. That's Cassandra with a K. Finally, pals, I've been so overjoyed to connect with so many of you online, you know, doing birth chart readings, joint human design readings with my girl, Sarah from intuitive empowerment. And I'm just so glad that you're doing this self-study and self-care work. You know, the holidays are coming up. So if you want to gift a family member or yourself, I mean, treat yourself a little insight into your birth charts, into astrology, you can give a gift certificate for a reading and then they can book that session, you know, when ever is convenient for them. So it's honestly, I, I mean, if I say so myself, a pretty cool gift idea, hit up the link in the show notes. If you want to grab one of those and yeah, I think that's all, it's all we need to cover. Thanks everyone for being here. Make sure you're following along on Instagram at yoga magic podcast. And I'm at ashley.sondergaard. Let's get to this chat with yoga teacher and YouTube celeb Cassandra Reinhardt. Welcome back, Cassandra. So for listeners that are, are obviously not in the back end of this, we sat down months ago to record this and the internet just, you know, crashed because the conversation was so great. So we're <laughs> meeting again and I have, I've, I've thought a lot about all the things I want to ask you. And so I think this will be even better. Thanks so much, Cassandra. I'm excited to chat. Yes. Today is going to work. This is our day. <laughs> this is our day. Um, for listeners that are not aware of you and just the huge following and community that you've built, can you tell them what you do, who you are, maybe a little background to how you got to, to YouTube and all of the awesome work you're doing? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Cassandra Reinhardt. I'm based out of Ottawa, Canada. Um, I'm assuming most of your audience is probably Americans. So we have Ottawa. a lot of Canadian friends. Oh, you do. Lots. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just outside of Ottawa, Canada, and I'm primarily a yoga instructor, but I 
mainly teach online. That's not necessarily how I started. I began teaching like how most newly certified yoga instructors begin, which is teaching through, you know, studios and community centers and gyms and stuff like that. And I absolutely loved it. Um, but I felt like I just wanted to do something different. Um, I was looking to kind of set myself apart, I guess. Like it's very difficult to get, um, really good studio time slots. Totally. Especially when you're starting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I didn't really know anything about YouTube or about being online, especially back in 2014, it wasn't as prominent as it is today. You know, there weren't like a million blogs telling you exactly what to do step-by-step to start a YouTube channel. Um, but I just thought maybe this will be fun. Maybe this is a way that I can help stand apart from the crowd. And I was feeling a little frustrated that I just wasn't doing as much as I wanted to be doing. Um, I wanted to connect with more people. And so this idea of being able to teach online and have students all around the world was like really, really exciting, even though I never really thought I would get students <laughs> from all around the world. Like I just thought I'll give it a try and you know, maybe this can be a fun thing because I always thought YouTube would be fun, but I never really thought it would go anywhere, but I started and I never stopped and slowly, but surely the YouTube channel yoga with Cassandra has grown quite a bit and we're over 2 million subscribers now. And I've produced like over 700 yoga classes. Oh my gosh. I know it's a lot of videos. One thing that I really set for myself the minute I started, I was like, you are going to commit to this and you're going to commit to doing at least one video a week. So I really like set a schedule for myself. I stuck to it and yeah, it's worked out. I never could have imagined that this is where I would be, but I'm really happy. And it's been able to branch out into a lot of other ventures and, you know, courses and programs and an app and books and things like that. And it's just been, um, a lot of work, obviously, but really fun. So I primarily teach yin yoga and vinyasa yoga. Those are my two favorites. And yeah, online has just been really fun for me, like a really cool creative outlet. Yeah, totally. I mean, kudos. That's amazing. And okay. We're in a world, I mean, in 2014, this was not the vibe there, but now I I mean, so many people are, want to be you, right. They want to build this following and because the landscape has changed and it seems like everyone has some sort of platform, whether it be a podcaster or a YouTube channel, like what do you think you had said you committed to one video a week? Like, what do you think really helped you be so successful? Like when you started, did you have a full-time job as well? Or like, were you like, this is it, I'm going to do the things? Oh no. Like I was working full-time. I really didn't even understand that you could make an income online like that. 2014 is like a whole different world. world. (laughs) Yeah. And today it's very well accepted to be like an online yoga teacher. And a lot of teachers that you might know have some form of online offering. The pandemic has really helped to make this more accessible and to really embrace the online space. But when I first started, I got a lot of criticism from Mm -hmm. pretty well-known, well-established teachers who thought that teaching online is not real yoga. And it was just really misunderstood. Whereas to me, I've always seen it as like, well, 
I'm literally removing all of the barriers of entry to this practice. Like if people want to go take your studio class, they have to find a babysitter. They have to commute for 25 minutes, you know, like they have to pay $25 for the class. Like here I am offering something for free. All you need is the internet. Like I thought it was such a cool exchange and no one ever has to give me a single dollar. And yet I can make an income from that. Like, I just Mm -hmm. thought that was such a great, I don't know, just a great relationship. But when I first started, I was working full-time for the city of Ottawa. So I had like a regular full-time job. And again, I didn't really understand that you could make money online. So I was never even thinking about it as, oh, I'm going to do this full-time. You know, that wasn't even in my headspace or in my vision at all. But thankfully, after about, I don't know, three to six months of being online on YouTube, I was doing one video a week. And I thought it was fun just to get a few comments. You know, I maybe would get two comments on my video. I got like 20 subscribers and I thought that was the coolest thing in the whole world. Like, you know, that's why I kept going. Like you don't make money until you're years into it pretty much Mm -hmm. unless you really blow up, you know, and unless you really like make it big, but no one knew who I was. I had no audience. So there was no money there. I was just doing it because I loved it. And I thought it was really, really fun. Um, but maybe like three or six months into it, someone had left a comment. I had done this video, this yoga class, and it was a yoga class for weightlifters. And someone had left a comment to say, if this was a course, I would buy it. Meaning they wanted more content around like yoga that would be complimentary to weightlifters. And that was such a light bulb moment for me because I was like, wait, people would pay for what I'm doing. Like that was so revolutionary. I mean, obviously today this is understood and spoken about, like, it seems like everyone has some kind of side hustle and online program. But back then I was just like, Whoa, what? And I did that, you know, I created my first little course was this yoga for weightlifters course for like 40 bucks or something, but I'll always remember the first time I sold, you know, I was like, oh my God, I made $40. Like this is revolutionary. (laughs) It was crazy. So I, I kept my day job for three and a half years before I was able to leave and do this full time. So I really worked very, very hard because I was doing full time for the government. And then I was doing full-time hours trying to build yoga with Cassandra. So it's a lot better today. Like I have more time, things are easier to manage. I've kind of paid my dues, but the first three to four years were really, really hard. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just finding the time. Cause I think about how much time goes into that. It's like, I mean, for me as a yoga teacher, it's like sequencing and playlists, but I'm not doing all of the editing and like audio and setup. Is that like how much time goes into one class? Now it's very quick. You know, now if a, if a class is 30 minutes, it'll take me 40 minutes to film it. And that same amount of time, maybe to edit it. What was really time consuming was having to learn all of the skills that are necessary and required for being an online yoga teacher, especially I could not afford to just hire people. You know, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk these days about like outsourcing, you know, a lot of the messaging around entrepreneurship is like, do what you're good at and hire other people to do the rest. And there can be some wisdom to that, but it's never been advice that I've 
resonated with and really agreed with, like, especially because I was 23, like I had no money. First of all, like I couldn't Mm -hmm. hire people to figure out how to do like my accounting, how to set up my corporate business structure, how to do online marketing, how to do videography, how to do editing, how to do social media market management, you know, how to build a newsletter, how to create your website. Like these were all things that I had to learn one by one and it was very slow and very steady, but at least I'm I'm glad I did it because at least now I have those skills and you're now in a better position where if I do have to hire someone, I actually know what I'm looking for. I know if what they're charging me makes sense or not. And I'm actually able to kind of manage those expectations and see if they're doing a good job because you can very easily be taken advantage of if you just decide, you know what, I'm just going to be the girl in front of the camera and I'll let other people manage this, you know, Mm -hmm. because, and I, I wanted to do that. There was a huge part of me that was kind of like in this victim mentality where I didn't really want to step out of my comfort zone. I didn't believe I was capable of learning these skills. I thought I was like too stupid for it. Honestly, like I just did not have the confidence. I felt like I wanted someone to step in and do it for me and solve all of my problems. But I'm really lucky that no one did because I was in a very vulnerable position. And today there could be someone else as CEO of Yoga with Cassandra. You know, you never really know. So that that was the most time consuming. That's what was the hardest was just learning all the skills that go into it that you don't necessarily realize mm-hmm. are part of being an online yoga teacher. I just thought you press record and you publish it, you know, but it's, it's so much more than that. And I'm glad I stuck with it, but it was definitely difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in total agreement. Like even with podcasting, I always tell people that are starting out, like try to do your own editing for at least yes. the first year. If you can, because it will give you that understanding of the time and, you know, the nuance of all these things. And how did you actually learn? It's funny. It's kind of ironic because I learned just on YouTube. How did you learn these tools? Did you Google them or find books? I was on Google all of the time, but it was really hard. Like I remember one of the biggest hurdles that I had to overcome was how to figure out how to charge sales tax. Cause I was like, I'm Canadian oh, and I'm for like your courses you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like if I'm selling someone, selling something to someone who's in another province for me or who's in another country, like what's the tax situation for digital mm. products. And back then even governments weren't really sure how they wanted to charge tax. So you'd go on like, you know, the CRA, which is like our IRS, like you'd go on the website and the information would be so conflicting. And anyway, it was really difficult, but it was basically just hours and hours of Googling. Now today, like, I don't want this to sound scary to people because thankfully in 2022, there's tons of resources. Like it is much easier to get started, you know? So if anyone wants to start a podcast or start a YouTube channel, You can just Google how to start a YouTube channel and you can find everything really well laid out for you. You know, it can be a lot easier for you to learn those skills and apply it, but it was kind of, it was a little bit rougher back Mm -hmm. then. You know, it it just, it just meant that I did everything a lot slower, you know, probably if I had to start from scratch today, it would be faster or it would be easier for me to get something off the ground. Um, but it's okay. Like I'm, I'm happy with the way things went. I'm glad I put in that early work, um, and that I stuck to it, but you know, I agree with you how you're saying like, wait a year. 
I think another reason for people to try to do it themselves is just see if you even enjoy this, you know, because I yes. think mm-hmm. over the pandemic, I think for a lot of yoga teachers, it was a very stressful time. All of a sudden you can't teach, you're losing your income, you're scrambling, you're trying to go online. And I always wanted to tell people like, do it. I hope you love it, but don't go and spend crazy money on equipment just yet because you might not even right. want to do this six months down the line, you know, like start with what you have, keep things so simple, so easy. And if you like it six months in, then you can start to invest time, money, resources, whatever, you know, you might not realize it's a lot of desk work. <laughs> it's an office job. Like what I do is an office job. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's you know? a, that's another really good point. And I think too, true of other yoga teachers as well as like we, when we get out of teacher training, like right out the bat, I'm so excited to teach and take on all these things. And it's almost like putting the cart before the horse, horse before the cart, (laughs) sleep deprived. I don't know. Um, But this idea of like taking on so much and really you want to find what's consistent. And what, I mean, what I hear you saying in terms of starting out and finding success was that you were, you were consistent. You picked what worked for you and you stuck with it. And that, you know, once a week, like that's amazing. And maybe for some people it's once a month, once, you know, whatever really works. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same approach that I have for my personal yoga practice. Like I'd rather do less and do it consistently than, you know, like I'd rather do 10 to 20 minutes of light yoga every day versus once a week committing to this 90 minute practice, you know, like I like to keep things smaller and more manageable and more realistic just so I'm not I know that if I get overwhelmed, I know I put a lot of pressure on myself. I I set very high expectations for myself. And that means that if I fall short of my expectations, I'll be like judging the heck out of myself, you know, and really struggling with that. And, you know, for my yoga practice, like this is supposed to be something I turn to, to feel better, you know, Mm -hmm. to feel good. So if I have too many expectations on myself, all of a sudden I'm you know, feeling some not so great things about myself while on my yoga mat. And that's not what I want. And it was kind of the same in terms of teaching, whether that's in person or online, like sure. It'd be great to have all the best studio teaching time slots, but is that going to be manageable? Is that going to be realistic? And same with YouTube, you know, it'd be great if I could do three videos a week, you know, I'm sure I'd get better results. I'm sure whatever, especially back then I was like, I I felt like I should always be doing more, but I've realized that belief, that thought never goes away, no matter how much you're doing, that thought isn't really based in reality. So I'm constantly having to try to pull myself back to be like, less is more, you know, less is Mm -hmm. more in my practice, less is more in the way that I work, less is more in my offering, like trying to find a semblance of balance is hard. (laughs) It is. And that's the perfect segue. You know. There's so many, so many amazing benefits to yoga. You and I know this Mm -hmm. yoga as a stress reliever and, and your book and its connection to, you know, ways that we can use this as a, as a wellness practice. Sometimes we lose sight of that. At least I do of like yoga is a huge stress reliever. What ways do you think we can use yoga as that, as something that helps us regulate and helps us ease through the chaos of life? 
I think it just needs to be a practice that is aligned with what you actually need in that moment versus mm. what you think you should be doing and what you think you should need, you know? And that's kind of the unfortunate downfall of the social media piece, you know? Social media has helped to bring yoga to the masses and more people are aware of the practice. So more people are tuning in, more people are going into yoga studios, stepping on their mats, like more people are open to yoga, but I think we've distorted what it is and we've placed maybe importance on things that aren't so important. Like I was asked not long ago, you know, what's the best kind of yoga practice for burnout? And I was like, well, it's not that doing a specific set of poses is going to cure burnout or that one style of yoga is best for burnout. Like if you're trying to use yoga to cope with burnout or to cope with any kind of you know, issue or mental health struggle, it just needs to be something that you actually want to do. Otherwise Mm. it just becomes another thing on your to-do list that you're now putting pressure on yourself and setting crazy expectations around or even dreading. So it's like when I wrote year of yoga, I wanted to write something that was a representation of how I like to practice myself, which is in rhythm with the cycles of nature And I think the greatest wisdom that we can receive from nature is that, you know, flowers bloom and they decay, you know, there's a period of rest and there's a period of great activation. And if I'm not mindful, if I'm not careful, I will always try to keep myself in that blooming phase, this activating high output phase, but like, I need to rest. I need to Mm -hmm. slow down, you know? So I really try to meet myself where I am every day. What do I need today? Maybe it's just a little bit of breath work. Maybe it's just child's pose and Shavasana. Maybe it's a really powerful activating, you know, charged up session to get that energy moving. But I really try not to have big rules around it or expectations. I let it be very, very different from day to day. Mm Mm-hmm. And you teach mainly yin and vinyasa, you said. And and in your opinion, do those have different places for different days or feelings? Like when would you use those types? Yeah, totally. Like I like yin and vinyasa because I like the way that they kind of offer a nice contrast to each other, you know, vinyasa, which has the potential to be a little bit more activating, a little bit more dynamic, really linking movement with breath. And then we have yin in contrast, which is a more passive practice. We're holding passive poses for an extended period of time, um, really soothing for the nervous system. And there are times in my life where I know that what I need the most is yin whether that's because I'm experiencing a lot of internal mental stress. So internally I'm feeling very fired up and charged up and I need to cool those energies down. Mm -hmm. And it's really great for that. Um, Or if I've just been, you know, physically exerting my body in a lot of strenuous ways, either just because of my day-to-day life or because I've been, you know, working out a lot or whatever yin is like that nice balance point. And there are times in my life where I've noticed that maybe I'm feeling like a little bit more depressed. Like if I, if I have more anxiety, I'll go towards yin. And if I feel a little bit more lethargic, a little bit more depressed, a little bit more stuck in a rut, 
vinyasa is a great mm-hmm. way for me to like charge myself up, clear that energy and really like get things moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it fluctuates a lot for me for sure, but I'm really glad I have those two tools. Like they work so well together. Yeah. Yeah. They're so complimentary. I agree. Yeah. So you had talked a little in advance as we were prepping for this around bite-sized morning routines and just like, this kind of goes in hand in hand with, again, like making it consistent, whatever you're going to do. What do you think is like a, a fun bite-sized, bite-sized morning routine? Like, what does that look like? Can you give some examples? Yeah, for sure. I like to practice in the morning just because I like having this opportunity to set an intention for the day ahead. Like, I think that's the most important and meaningful part of my morning yoga practice, you know, like beyond the poses, but usually when I'm thinking of like, okay, it's morning, what kind of practice should I do? I'm really just asking myself, like, how can I best support myself throughout the day? So for me, most of the time, that means I'm going to be sitting a lot during the day. You know, I spend a lot of my time just kind of at a computer So I'm just kind of trying to prepare my body in the best way possible for those long periods of sitting. So I pretty much will always start off with like a child's pose just Mm -hmm. to get into my hips. I'll do a little Anjaniyasana low lunge that really helps my low back and helps my hip flexors. I might do like a few simple back bends like cobras or sphinx pose, because I know (laughs) over time, if I'm at my desk, I'm probably going to be rounding my shoulders in, you know, and slouching a little right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, I try to just do a few simple things to, um, give my body its best shot at feeling good throughout the day. And I always want my morning practice at the morning practice. I'm always asking myself, what is my one word intention? You know, like, what do I really want to focus on today? I think that's super important, especially if you spend a lot of your day caring for other people or focusing outward. It's nice to just remind yourself that you're allowed to want things, you know, you're allowed to put yourself first as well. And, you know, what you need matters just as much as what other people need. Mm -hmm. I love the one word intention. I actually have to get back to that. That's, that's so true. So I'm three months postpartum and I took my first like full hot vinyasa class, but a week ago, and it was like so humbling. I was, I mean, I've been teaching for 11 years and I was legit that girl in the back row who could not hold tree pose. I, you know, and it, it helped me so much to be put back into that position of a newbie of someone who's just starting out in yoga, because it's so much more than just, you know, flexibility and balance. Like there's that humility piece of it. Oh yeah. And I guess, you know, with your book and this idea of like practicing really regularly and, and finding yoga, letting yoga find you where you're at in that day, what, you know, for someone that is just starting out and they're, they grab your book and they're like, I want to do yoga every day. Where would you suggest they start? Like, what does a beginner practice look like in your mind? I mean, I think a beginner practice I usually like to focus on the spine. So I'm thinking like, what are the essential spinal movements? Like I want a little bit of back bending, a little bit of flexion, a little bit of side bends. Like it really doesn't need to be complicated or strenuous in order to be effective. Also, congratulations on your baby. I meant to say that. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Um, 
and you are going to be in a great position because now it's like, I think beginner's mindset is the most important thing. Oh my gosh. Right? As instructors as teachers. and teachers. Yeah. You, totally. that, you know, with experience, with time, as you develop, as you get stronger, you forget how things used to feel the first time you did them, you know, mm-hmm. like it's such a, such a great gift, but honestly, like with beginners, I think the biggest thing is to make it as non-threatening and most inviting as possible. So for a lot of people who are new to yoga, they might be intimidated by going to a studio, which is a very common, you know, a common fear. They're not sure if they're going to fit in. They're not sure what to expect. So this is where I always recommend like use online, you know, you can do just like a 10 minute practice in the comfort of your own home. No one has to see you. No one has to watch you. There's no judgment. (laughs) There's no expectations do it in your pajamas. You know, it really doesn't need to be complicated. Um, and it can even be seated, you know, just doing a few seated stretches can be really nice, but just notice it's about mindfulness more than anything else. You know, like whenever you're doing something, you're just breathing deeply and noticing what's going on with no expectations of an end goal, you know, like there, it doesn't matter what it looks like. There's no point that you're trying to get to the journey is that is the thing. Like you, you did it, <laughs> you know, you did it. there's nowhere to go. It's always just going to be about the journey, which is maybe a little bit easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we see these like pretzel shapes on Instagram, yeah. people rocking their little lemon and just, you know, killing it. And, and I mean, truly that's why I love a home practice. Like you said, like doing in your pajamas, like Wear your pajamas. I like to do a solid face mask situation. I mean, like we're gonna have it stack. We're gonna make it, and like I can't do that in the studio. It's awkward. So, can you share a little bit about the book so listeners can just get on that and learn more? Um, you know, maybe the journey even into writing a book because that's a lot different than YouTube for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. Year of Yoga is my second book, and after I wrote my first book, which was just called Yin Yoga. I swore I would never write another book again (laughs) because it's so much work. Like you just put so much time and effort into this, but then year of yoga happened and I had to eat my words and, you know, never say never, I guess, because I (laughs) did but I got to do year of yoga, which is a lot more personal. And I really got to craft it from A to Z and, you know, give it my all to it. I wanted to write something that was a little bit more of an honest look at my approach to a yoga practice, which is to, you know, help students align their practices with the natural rhythms, you know, Mm -hmm. nature's cycles. So year of yoga is separated into the four seasons and each season has a few yoga sequences, a morning practice and evening meditation, some affirmations like a new moon and a full moon ritual. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just like nice little practices or, you know, tools that can really help you connect to the themes and the energy of the season. And because I'm an online yoga teacher and because I never seem to be able to leave well enough alone, I was like, how can we make this better? And like even more. So for each sequence that's in the book, there's a QR code that you can scan with your phone and it'll take you to an online yoga video yes. version of that class. Awesome. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm an online yoga teacher. Like I feel like there should be an online video component to this. So obviously I doubled my workload, but it's okay. I'm really, really happy with how it came out. And I think it provides a lot more value to the book. So you get a book, but you also get like 22 online yoga classes and four meditations. 
So cool. I feel like there's some accountability to that too, right? So committing, like I have a guide. I know that this is what I'm going to be doing, whether it be the book or like the classes online, there's that, you know, that actual accountability there. And again, like I've been teaching forever and I still am like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to move right now. But when I do and honoring where I'm at that day, it's like, it always is the gift that keeps on giving. And so big fan of this idea of like, of doing it. I mean, yeah, I'm following the, the cycles, mm-hmm. like I am the same. And for me, what I found works best is I just say like, well, I'm just going to do one pose. Like I find the act of just getting on my yoga mat and doing one thing. Usually I'll be like, well, let's do another and let's do another mm-hmm. and let's do another. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like doing a full practice, even though I didn't feel like it, but there are days where I'll make myself go on my mat and I'm like, okay, just do one pose. And I'm, you know, maybe doing child's pose more often than not. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. Like today is not the day. And that was it. I did child's pose. I breathed a little bit, but we're cutting it short. We're ending it here. But more often than not, like just the hardest part is just getting to your mats. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, like there's so much resistance sometimes, but I feel it too. Sometimes I really have to like push myself to just, just make those steps. You know? like, yeah. To, yeah. Just there's... get on that mat. What do you like to do for self-care other than yoga? Probably my greatest self-care practice. I go for walks every day. So yeah. every day I do at least a 30 minute walk. I've always been like that. I think that's one of the best things for my mental health for sure. Do you listen to anything or do you just like to walk? Often reading an audiobook. I like audiobooks. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'll usually read anything good walking. that you've read lately. I'm a big bookie too. Right now I'm reading Stephen King's latest book, Fairy Tale, the one that came out recently. I love Stephen King. I've probably read like 30 of his books. Is it scary? Time. Is it a scary one or not? No, not so scary. Maybe not a little one? bit creepy at times, okay. but no, no. I he's, he's really mellowed good. out. He's yeah. mellowed out with age. He's not as creepy and scary as he used to be, which is okay. I feel like because there's like definitely two areas of Stephen King. Like there's like Green Mile, and then like yeah, it right. Like so different. It's like in between those two. <laughs> okay, cool. I just I've been reading a ton lately, just being kind of at home a lot more, and I yeah. just finished. Luckiest Girl Alive. Have you read that? No. What is Which that? is sort of a thriller too. It's a, it's a Netflix movie that's coming out oh, this weekend. Yes, so I wanted to read it. Before. Right? Yes. 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 Okay. I didn't read the book, but I saw the trailer for the movie and I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to read the book instead. Yes. <laughs> highly recommend. I mean, the book, it's it's dark, but if you were like, like a thriller moment, yeah. you'll yeah. like this. So okay. definitely read it before you watch the movie. <laughs> okay. I will add that to the list. I do like thrillers. Yeah. Well, Cassandra, I'm so glad this actually manifested. I know it was hard, but it was so worth it. And you are just such an inspiration for us. Again, there's a lot of yoga teachers that listen to this show and there's so many different ways that people can teach. And I think to see someone like you, who is just committing and showing up for your students in this unique way, it's really inspiring. So thank you. I swear I'm just winging it, but thank you. I will take the compliment. Are we all like truly? (laughs) well it's can you like just being an adult you know where you're oh, like oh gosh well, yeah I'm gonna be I'm gonna turn 32 in like three days and Ooh, I'm like exciting like, yeah but I'm like when do I feel like an adult like when am I gonna feel like I've got it together like I still feel like I just graduated college and my life's a mess like I don't know I just still don't feel 
this is not what I thought a 32 year old woman would feel like. It's very <laughs> weird. I mean, I don't know that we ever do. Right. Like, was there ever, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm 36. I have three children and I genuinely feel like I should be like, like you said, like just out of college, like it feels like that full on mom. Like that's crazy. Full on, Yes. And yet here we are literally winging it. (laughs) I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'd be like, Oh my God, a teen pregnancy. Like if I were to be pregnant, like I, I, I can't, I can't realize in my head, you know, yes. so I'm, I'm well into my thirties now. Like this is normal. It's <laughs> like, I oh. mean, we're out though. It's okay. Can you tell listeners where they can find you, your YouTube channel, your book, all the things? Yeah, for sure. So if you just search yoga with Cassandra, you can find my YouTube channel. Cassandra is with a K same thing for my website, yoga with Cassandra.com. And the book is called year of yoga. It's available through Amazon and pretty much at all major book retailers. If you want to get it in person. Awesome. Thank you, Cassandra. This was so much fun. Thanks so much for being here, everyone. Again, check us out on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard. If you want to grab Cassandra's book, grab information in the show notes, and I will see you next week.